Episode 235 of the Bevan James Owl Show, using inversion thinking to help yourself be successful. Radio team, welcome along to episode 235 of the Bevan James I'll Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Today's show, uh, uh, my interviews are all falling all over the place right now, so today I'm going to be doing a Bevan show, but it's a show that I'm really interested in because um, I'm going to introduce a, a, a thinking technique that can help you be more successful. It's called, inver- it's called inversion thinking. And yeah, I, I think it's a technique that I, I share an example of what I'm using to make my book successful as you work through this. So I love, you know, like I, a few months ago I was raving about that chatter technique, um, that kind of the commentator's voice. I've got to be honest, I've, I've kept that up. It hasn't been a fly-by-night technique for me. I've been using it a lot. Even I was up in Auckland last week doing some very important work. Um, and I think maybe I've done some of the best work I've ever done. And I, the chatter work definitely is... is such an important tool and, and today's tool is a tool which I think you can apply in your life as well in a really powerful way so look out for that. I think I do want to talk about before we head into the main gist of today's show is respecting the opportunity. I was up in Auckland last week and um, I was doing my filming for Les Mills which in my career is the biggest thing I do. It's, it's the high pressure moment. We, we filmed it at Victor Arena which is this massive arena and I got to be in the green room with Beyonce and all the rock stars would have been and um, and it, it's it's kind of that moment where you get nerves before and it's high pressure and, and I'm of a high I'm of a very high level in this area of my life um, but it's also really very demanding and it was really interesting coming into this moment because normally when I go up before I go to Auckland so I would go up to Auckland for like five days and it's a very intense five days but the lady I work with Lisa Rosborn she gives us our, our material well in advance so normally when I go up there I have plenty of I've, I've done a lot of work before I even arrive and then the last five days are more just spending time tweaking and making it the next level but I've got to be honest this book project of mine is taking a lot of time and so over the last kind of six weeks leading going to Auckland I just hadn't done the amount of work that I would normally do and I got to Auckland, and in my mind I knew that once I got to Auckland I wasn't going to think about the book at all. So the book was on the back burner while I was in Auckland. So in the back of my mind I kind of knew that once I got to Auckland I could just go 24-7 or 24 hours a day for five days up to the filming. And I got there on the first day we did a class, no, second day, so the first day I practiced like crazy, did my prep, and then the second day we, did, we taught a class and I taught like crap. I've got to be honest, I taught, I was not happy with how I taught, I I was all over the place. I, sometimes when you're uncomfortable, I do things that show me I'm uncomfortable, and I did those things. I just was not in a good place. And luckily for me, I used that moment as a moment to go, okay, well, you need to put a higher level of work into this. I respected the opportunity that I had. Instead of looking for excuses and kind of, you know, maybe you haven't got it anymore or, or self-talk that was negative, it was like, oh, no. You need to put the yards in. And so basically, I've, I, I've never practiced this much when I was in Auckland before. Basically, every moment I wasn't with the team, I was practicing in my hotel room. Like seriously, I probably practiced for over that five days, 
probably did about 40 hours of practice just by myself, and that's not including the teamwork we did as well. Maybe not 40 hours, but but a lot. And basically every moment I had spare, I practiced and practiced and practiced. And the reason I did that was because I respect this opportunity I get. This opportunity, like in, in the group fitness world, being a filming presenter is... So thousands and thousands and thousands of people around the world would love to have this opportunity that I have. And I've done it for a long time. And sometimes when people do things for a long time, they get stale with the opportunity. They're like, oh, you know, you know, like, oh, so be it. You know, I've done this. I know what I'm doing. And they kind of don't respect the opportunity anymore. And for me, I never want to be that guy. I always want to respect the opportunity. So for, in this situation, I caught that I'd fallen behind the wagon. And instead of kind of talking myself out of it or using negative self-talk, I went to, no, you need to step up because this is an opportunity you need to respect. Now, that was my example of it. And that was, you know, I wanted to share that with you because that was my experience. And I, and I, But we also had this guy on the team called Camilo. And Camilo is a, a Colombian guy. And Lisa wanted to get somebody who wasn't a teacher to shadow on the filming. And this is a massive thing because, A, when we teach, we use the different side of the body. So he had to do movement he'd never done before. B, it's massive high pressure. See, you know, like the guy had never been in front of a crowd before, you know, and suddenly he's going in this room. Like, you walk in the room and we're filming, you've got three boom mics, mics um, three boom cameras, cameras on rails, literally like six cameras in the room, 20 production crew at the back. It's high, high pressure. And this guy turned up, and there was, there was only so far you can get someone in a week. And he turned up, and he was like, for a member, he moved pretty well. But he was by no means an instructor. And from day one, we were giving him tips and we were trying to give him a realistic amount that he can achieve in the week. And on filming day, he delivered the level that we could expect of him. You know, he, you know, he wasn't the greatest mover of all time, but he delivered at a level that was absolutely like over the moon. We couldn't have asked for any more from him. He was absolutely a rock star. And afterwards, he was kind of saying, oh, he was a little bit apologetic because, you know, I think he felt insecure in, in an environment, which is understandable because we're throwing him in the deep end and in a level of skill that he didn't have. And he's a little bit apologetic and saying, oh, you know, um, sorry if, if I wasn't quite up to scratch and do you have any feedback? And my feedback to him was, first of all, you have nothing to be sorry about. You've done yourself proud. And the thing you've done yourself proud of is because you respected the opportunity you had and you did the work. He respected the like he had an opportunity to, to represent the members who loved this workout to the whole world, and he and it was a very uncomfortable, very insecure week for him, and he he stood up, he respected the opportunity, and he did like this. This Camilo did the work, you know, and I think sometimes in life, sometimes we don't respect the opportunity, and that can come in a few ways. It can come in, you know, I've done this for a long time. I know it, I don't need to do the work anymore. And come in, you're a little bit scared, so you look for ways out. And come in, you're just being lazy. you know. And I think that in life, we get opportunities, and we want to respect those opportunities in the best way possible. And those two examples, me being a little bit unprepared and catching that I was, but then not slacking away and looking for ways out, to actually go, no, I need to now put my bum, head down, bum up and do the work, that was me respecting the opportunity. And then Camilo, a guy who was well out of his depth, feeling very insecure, didn't have the skill base, instead of you know, saying I, I can't do this or shying away, he did the work. And, you know, like, I was, you know, as I said earlier, I think I taught one of the best releases I'd done. I, I had to focus on delivering amazing contrast, and I think I delivered that. And Camilo... 
delivered to a level that was a really high standard. And afterwards, we were like, mate, you need to be an instructor. Now, if he hadn't have respected the work, he, you know, he would have probably, we would have gone, oh, thanks for coming, and we, that would have been the end of it. And, and to be honest, I'm going to be honest, in my game, I'm, of the people who started in my generation, I'm the only one who still left. And I'm not saying the ones who came before me didn't respect the work, because it's not that, because a lot, a lot of people who have come and gone were amazing, and they did respect the work. But the only reason I'm still here is because even though I've done this for 20 years, I still turn up and respect the work. And if you want to be a star, and if you want to shine, if you want to be the next level in life, you have to respect the work. Seriously, it's one of the most important things you must do. So I just wanted to share that with you today. And maybe as you reflect upon yourself, are there areas of your life where you know you aren't respecting the work? Because if that's the case, what do you need to do to start doing that? Because I guarantee that if you do, you're going to get better opportunities, you're going to feel more successful, and you're going to go way further in that area of your life. So, anyway, before I get into main just the show, I want to say thank you to the patrons. If you want to be a patron of the show, go to bevanjamesisles.com, go to podcast, click on support me, go through the process. You give liberty a hard-earned money my way each time I release the show. And these are some of the people who have done that. We've got Dean, oh no, we've got George Monopoly Man Street, we've got Dean the Cool Cube Cuby, we've got Rachel Walking on Sunshine DeBusk, we've got Anna Do It Dungey, and we've got Amanda, super duper amazing Amanda Coleman Watson. These people are people who support this podcast every time I release the episode. So thank you for those patrons who are patrons. If you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com podcast, support me, go through the process. Anyway, here's the main gist of the show. Many of you may have heard of Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is arguably the greatest investor of all time, or at least goes in the top five, I imagine. Like, you know, when we think of just people who invest, Warren Buffett is always the guy who kind of, one of the names that comes up a lot of times. Like, you know, when you think of richest people in the world, a lot of them are people who have built businesses. So like Elon Musk with Tesla and Bill Gates with Microsoft and who else do we have? We have Jeff Bezos with... Amazon, so these guys have built businesses that have become, made them so wealthy, and the thing about Warren Buffett, although he does own a lot of businesses, he has kind of been made his money from being an investor, and so what he's done is he's become really great at figuring out what a great business is, and then buying them at the right time, undervalue, and then, you know, become this legendary investor, and, you know, like if you invest money with Warren Buffett, his shares or his his company a long time ago, you'd be doing really well because he tends to beat the market in the long term. Now, I'm not going to go deeply into exactly Warren Buffett's investing things, but one thing that a lot of people don't know is Warren Buffett's sidekick and a guy by the name of Charlie Munger. Now, Charlie Munger is has worked with Warren Buffett for a very long time. They're very much partners in crime. Um, arguably, you know, obviously he's in a, just as an important part of this aspect of helping people or get better returns. But Charlie just hasn't been the figurehead as such. And so he's a very successful investor himself. And the thing about Charlie Munger is he's also an extremely wise man. And recently I was watching a talk that Charlie Munger was doing around this concept called inversion thinking. Now what is inversion thinking? Well inversion thinking is to basically think of a situation in regards to what is the worst that could happen and what could I learn from this? And Charlie Munger was talking about when he was a pilot and I think he was like a ground crew 
on the planes in World War Two. And that's the thing about these guys. These guys are probably in their nineties now. You know, it's quite cool to hear guys talk about, you know, back in World War Two. I, I love that aspect of it. Well, Charlie Munger was something to do with pilots at that time in World War Two. And one thing he was fascinated with when he was doing this work was part of his job was to make sure that they were really successful in pilots not dying. And obviously in the war, people were dying in this time. And so what Charlie did is he, he sat down and thought to himself, what could I do that would kill more pilots? And he wasn't doing this in a way that was malicious in regards to trying to kill pilots. What he was really exploring with this was, if things were to go wrong, what would be the things that would make pilots die in these situations? And it's a really fascinating thing for Charlie to think about. And he thought about, he said it made him think about things like the weather conditions. Like, you know, what was the range of weather where pilots would go up and would have problems like fog and frost and things like these. And, and he basically said, by thinking about the problem in this light, it gave him a much broader idea of, the criteria that would create success in the long term for his pilots, like how could he minimise actual people dying, which was really the thing that he was really focusing on at this time, was the ability to minimise the deaths that would happen for pilots. But then to think of it as in how could I kill more pilots and the actions that I would take in my day-to-day role as a ground crew with these pilots or with the planes. And he said it was a really fascinating thing for him to explore because it made him see the problems he had to deal with in a much broader range and it allowed him to develop a much better strategy moving forward in what he was trying to do to be successful. And this is what I want to talk about today, This what we call inversion thinking. So inversion thinking is, what if I were to fail in this area and what could go wrong in this area with this? And I'm going to kind of share some good questions for you to think about in this area. But I also want to share an example that I'm going through right now where I'm going to use this thinking in regards to helping me be successful in an area that I've put a lot of time and effort into in my life and I really want to be successful in. So let's do a bit of an overview first. So let's use the example of fitness. So I want you to think about your life and fitness right now. If you were to guarantee that you are going to fail with fitness, or let's let's even use nutrition. Nutrition is always a good one to do it with. So let's say that you are now you want to lose some weight, and you're 15 kg overweight, and you decide that now's the time you want to create some change. And let's be honest, that often comes from some dissatisfaction. That can be through just image. It can be through saying to limit your life. It can be through embarrassment around other people. It can be through the fact that you have to buy new clothes. You know, there's there's awareness moments that make us realize we need to create change. And so in this moment, you think, okay, what do I need to get lose weight? And so what we do is we try to, we kind of try to create a success plan for this. But what if you were to say, what would I do if I would guarantee that I fail in a weight loss journey? Like, what would I need to do to guarantee that I would fail? What were the things that would actually happen in this? And there's a couple of questions you want to explore as you work through it. So I might throw the questions at you first and then talk through my example. So the first thing is, what would you do to guarantee that you would fail? So as you think of that weight loss journey, or if you think of a fitness journey, when you think about success, what would you do to guarantee that you would fail? And how would you create this? So for example, on a weight loss journey, what would you do to guarantee you would fail? Okay, well, you'd get a diet that was unrealistic. You might get a diet that you could achieve for four days, but deep down, if you look at the diet, there's no way you know you could maintain this for long term. 
So you get a diet that's unrealistic. So that's one way that you could fail in a weight loss journey. Another way you could do it is you could go into it absent-minded around how you're going to deal with social situations. Because let's be honest, social situations are a massive problem in a weight loss journey because it tends to be the wrong foods, too many foods, and other people making choices which give you permission to make bad choices yourself. So what you what you do to fail is you'd go absent-mindedly into dealing with social situations on a weight loss journey. And you can see that what we're doing here is we're identifying those key moments. Uh, one of the things is you would you plan not to plan your food. So we all know on a weight loss journey, one of the most important things is planning and measuring. And and, and, and you hear this all the time. So people say, "Oh, I just you know, food diaries are such a pain in the bum." Well, nowadays, let's be honest, for apps, you know, like MyFitnessPal, these apps do a great job of you recording your food. It makes it very easy to do. And people go, "Yeah, but I don't like doing it." Well. What you're doing is you're setting yourself up to fail. If you want to be successful on a weight loss journey, planning, as in planning what I'm going to eat today, pre-planning your meals beforehand, and measuring are really good tools to do. So if I want to fail, I wouldn't plan my food. I'd hope in the moment I would make really good decisions, and I wouldn't be aware of what I was eating. So you can see how what we're doing by looking at this failing strategy, if I were to fail, what would I do? You can then start to see what problems you actually need to solve. And this is the next thing we need to think about is, what do you need to learn from where you could go wrong? So let's learn about this, this social one. So in social eating environments, one thing I need to think about is, what can I learn from if I did this poorly? Or well, you could learn that you probably need to go into social situations with a plan in place, both physically or, or practically and psychologically. So it might be that when I go into social situations, if I'm going out for a meal with friends, I'm going to look at the menu before I even go and predetermine the choices that I'm going to make around what I'm going to get with my meal that night. So that when the menu comes out, I literally will have a quick look at it, make a decision, give it to the people who are taking that choice or, or the, you know, the, the wait staff, and then that decision is now done. You can see how that's a strategy that you can put in place. You could say that if you go into a social situation where food's just sitting around, one of your psychological strategies is to not be standing by the food. Because let's be honest, if you stand by the food, most of us are going to eat the food more often. So a psychological strategy could be to remove yourself from temptation in those situations. There can also be some self-talk strategies. It could be that while other people are making choices which you would like to make but you know you can't make, you tell yourself that you're on a journey that's really important to yourself and so you're making decisions that are great for your health and fitness. And when you leave tonight, you're going to feel really good about yourself because you've made good choices around this. And so what we've done here is we've looked at what would you do if you failed? How can it help you see areas that you need to develop strategies? And then what you're thinking about are what are the strategies and tools that I will need to apply in this area? Now, when we think about the strategies, a lot of the times you will have the answers. Now, one thing I always think is that you're an intelligent person. And what I mean by that is you have the ability to problem solve a lot of the problems you face in your life. It's just that most of us don't go into these problem moments with the thinking and planning beforehand that will allow us to be successful. So, you know, like let's say if you were to go into a social situation and guarantee that you were to not overeat, 
Do you think you could problem solve your way through that? And both, again, like practically and emotionally and psychologically as you're doing this. And like, let's say this Saturday night, you're going to assist your situation where you know there's going to be bad food, you know there's going to be a lot of it, and you know it's going to be free-flowing throughout the whole night. Do you think you could problem solve both practically and psychologically how to be successful in this situation? Now, again, I'm assuming you're an intelligent person and that in this situation you probably could. The key to it is, is that you devote the time before the moment and you do the work that needs to be done to put this in place. And that's where most people fail. If I go back to that kind of food planning, most people who go on a weight loss journey plan their food before they eat. You know, they, they might make their meals for the week. You know, they might get up in the morning, plan their food for the day. They actually make the decisions before they actually make the eating moment. And that's one of the reasons they're so successful on a weight loss journey, is that they are pre-planning to win the moment before they experience the moment. And I think this is an important step that most people fail in, is that you can see the thing you need to work on, you can create great strategies but if you don't put the time in beforehand to do the work, you can often fail. So that would be one thing I would really reinforce here, is that you need to put the time in place to put the strategies and tools in place before you experience the moment. But there is an area here, and, and going back to this whole idea of you being intelligent and having the ability to problem solve, most of the time you're going to nail that. But sometimes there are going to be gaps in your learning, and gaps where you don't have the answer. And so... I think one thing we've got to put in place here is where there are gaps or you can't find the solution, you need to then devote time to finding people who can teach or guide you in this. So as much as I'm saying you're intelligent and you have the ability to problem solve, sometimes the problem solving is to go, hmm, I don't actually understand how to win this moment. So what I need to do is to find the person who can give me the framework and the tools to win this moment. Like I think of, and interestingly I've been learning a lot of business learning lately and I've been learning from a guy who's a brilliant business thinker and it's, it's you know, it's one of the, you know, it's, you know when sometimes when you learn from someone who's a bit of a genius, you have light bulb moments about your own experience and one thing I'm learning from this guy is different frameworks to approach different problems different frameworks to approach different problems and so what he does very well is he sees a problem and then he'll learn the framework that will help him be successful with that problem now when I'm learning from this guy I'm learning frameworks I have never learned before so some of the problems like if I look at my business and I look at some of the problems in my business I've tried to problem solve some of these problems but I actually didn't have the framework or the thinking to high level solve these problems and as I'm learning from a mentor who can guide me and teach me a higher level I'm learning a higher level of framework and this is one of the things you want to think about when you get stuck when it comes to your problem solving so if there's an area you know let's let's use the weight loss example and there might be an area where you go, you know, socially, when I go out, there's, I can problem solve that. I can remove myself from temptation. I can pre-plan what I'm going to eat. I can develop strategies and self-talk for when I am tempted. I can use the how will I feel afterwards technique to help me as I'm leaving. You know, there's strategies and tools you can put in place. And then you can devote the time to be successful with that. But then you might look at your overall scheme and you might actually not understand the right food choices you need to make. 
And so one of the things that you need to do, and, and what I'm meaning here is the overall diet. You might not actually understand, you know, the macros and the micros and, you know, what kind of foods you should be eating on a weight loss journey and so on and so on. And so this might be the area where you want to get a new framework of thinking in place. And that's where you would invest in time and energy into getting a guide who can teach you a much better way to be successful with this. And that's that's an important part because I just think that often when people, they do have the ability to over, over solve a lot of the problems that they have, but there's often gaps that they don't see. And even if you are problem solving, it's sometimes good to get someone of a higher level just to do an overview of what you've put there. Because again, you don't know what you don't know. And if you had asked me of my business, can I problem solve some of the problems that I have to work on, I would have said, yeah, I think I do. But once I've learned from this guy, I actually realized there was a level of thinking that I didn't know. And so even if you are developing good strategies, it might be good to have a mentor beside you. Just go, here's what I'm thinking of doing. What do you think? Now, they might just say, high five, you're killing it. Or they might say, actually, have you thought about this? And that's a really powerful tool to use. Now then what you want to do is you want to put your action plan in place. And this is this is really you know the application of what you're trying to do here. But probably one thing I like to think alongside this is what are the mindsets you need to put in place as well and the thinking that will go with this. And when I talk about mindsets, like in my book that's coming out in a few weeks from now, and each chapter at the end of the chapter, so the book works like this. I, I give a lesson. I give a challenge that you have to achieve, then I give you the rules and the strategies that are going to help you be successful in that challenge, which if you do that challenge, you're going to build the belief around yourself, you're going to you know, layer your learning, you're going to be successful along the way. But at the end of each chapter, I also give the mindsets that you're going to use in that, in that area. And what I mean by this is the thinking that you need to apply when you go into this. And when we go back to this inversion thinking, so when we go back to the inversion thinking, Often we think about the practical things, but we don't think about the thinking. And actually, I'm going to go, I'll, I'll go back to this in a second. So I'm going to share my version thinking around my book. So my book comes out in around, well, it comes out, when does it come out? In late June, early July 2022. So if you listen to this, you may be listening to this in the future, and the book has already come out, but I'm, you know, it comes out basically in, in eight weeks from now. So right now, I've put... Two years of work into this book. I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on this book. I, uh, you know, the project managing through the book. Now, I want this book to be a success. I haven't just written this book to just put it out there and forget about it. I want it to be a success. So if I'm going to use inversion thinking, and let's say failure is I sell less than 100 books, and success is anything over a few thousand, you know, anything over 2,000 books, is success. Now, ultimately, ultimate success is thousands and thousands of books because I've written a book which I really think can help lots of people love exercise. But, you know, let's just say at this point, success is a couple thousand books in the first six months. You know, they say most books don't sell more than 100 <laughs> uh, and it, not many books get over 8,000. So, okay, so let's say I sell 8,000 books. That's, that would be massive success. And it would mean that A, I'm having the impact I want, and B, the investment of time and energy I've put into this will be rewarded. Okay, so that's success. Okay, so what if I were to fail, what would I do? Okay, well, basically, as soon as the book came out, I would give up on marketing straight away. Okay, 
that's one thing that I would do. Uh, one thing I would do is I would not invest in marketing. So I would hope that word of mouth would make this book successful. Now, a good book, word of mouth is really important, but actually spending money on marketing is really important as well. If I wanted this book to fail, I would do things myself which would make it not of a higher level. I'll give you an example of this. So yesterday I was doing the video promotions that will go on the websites that go with the course and the book that happen. Now, I've got basic video editing skills and, and I've got basic equipment and I could have done that myself. But instead I paid for a young guy I know called Sam. He's this really young, awesome young man. Um, he's, a, he's an expert in this area. We spent the day doing it and I haven't got the finished product yet but you could see from the, the video work that he was doing it was a much higher and classier product. So I could stint on the things that give the perception that's a higher product. I could... Try to save on PR in this way. So you can see how all these steps are things that I could do to make me be unsuccessful. Now those are all very practical things. But also, if we look at the emotional things that I could do to help me fail with this book, one of them is reaching out to people who have big audiences. And here's a really good example. Andrew Huberman, who is, I interviewed him on this podcast a couple of years ago. And it's kind of the moment after I interviewed him, then he became one of the biggest names in podcasting. And Andrew and I had, we, I love my interview with Andrew and I got really great feedback on it. And, and his podcast is amazing. And the work he's doing is really, you know, really phenomenal. And Andrew and I got along really well. Like once we got off the call, him and I spoke for like another hour because we just connected at a really high level. Andrew's podcast is a very scientific podcast. His podcast is very much, here's scientific research, and here's what we're learning, and here's how we can apply it. And my book is, as much as there's science behind what I'm thinking, my book's more of a, I've been on the ground doing the real work, and here's what I've learned that can help people love exercise. So I'm not coming at saying, I'm not going to come at you and say, here's a study that says, if you do this, here's what you're going to get. There's, in this book, there's none of that. My book is real world, boots on the ground, here's the experiences I've learned that's helped thousands of people love exercise. Now, Andrew Huberman's podcast doesn't really get people like me on. And so if I want to fail, I can tell myself, don't worry about approaching Andrew because my kind of boots on the ground method is not the kind of thing he gets on his podcast. That, that's something that will help me fail. Now, I've got to be honest, there's a chance that I'll approach Andrew and he won't get me on the show because it's not a scientific kind of book. And that's okay. There's a chance that will happen. But if I assume that's going to happen, there's a, I'm shutting off an opportunity that could be there. Now, Andrew, Andrew's podcast and his work is massive and has massive reach. And my book could help his audience. And so if, if I were to assume that because this is more of a scientific, you know, here's a research, here's the results kind of podcast, that he's going to say no to me, that could close me off from even trying. Now, as I said before, there's a chance that Andrew would reject my book just because it's not, you know, scientifically researched, you know, methods shown in the book. But if I don't try, I don't know. And I might go to him and say, hey, mate, this is more of a boots on the ground book. I think it can still add a lot of value to your audience. And he might come back and say, Bev, great, I'd love to get you on the show. That's going to make me more successful. 
And so as you think, as you can see, what I'm thinking here is what are all those, all those ways that I can help get reach for this book? You know, one of the ways that I could do is not ask people of influence to help spread the word. Like, I have a lot of connections in fitness and, and connections that have massive influence in the industry and to audiences that want fitness in their life. Um, another way is to not approach areas that aren't in fitnesses. So um, if I want this book to fail, I wouldn't recommend it to doctors and physios and people who recommend health. I wouldn't recommend it to, you know, audiences who, who don't necessarily focus on fitness. I wouldn't recommend it to Weight Watchers. You know, when you think about it, if I'm going to fail, these are the things I would do. I wouldn't recommend it to people of influence. I would be shy about promoting it to people who have big audiences. I would not make sure it's of a quality that's going to, you know, that really sells the idea. I wouldn't spend money on marketing. I wouldn't, I would try to do the marketing by myself. You know, I know a little bit about marketing. I've done marketing for my business for a long time. But, but actually, I want a rock star marketer behind this book. You know, I wouldn't get the greatest PR people. Now, you could see that by me doing this inversion thinking, that, that all those things that I've said there would mean that the chances of me selling 100 books is probably about right. Now, I've got to be honest, I've got a big database. So I would send my book out to my database and I could probably sell 100 books just to the people on my database. But outside of that... The book would fail if those were the things I would do. Now, the great thing is if when we do that inversion thinking and we go back to what I talked about before, okay, so now that then helps me go, well, what, where do I need to put my focus on? Okay, well, first of all is I need to have some money for a marketing spend. But also, I don't just need to have money for a marketing spend. I need to get the right rock stars around me to be able to make sure that the money I'm spending is getting a return. You know, when we spent, you know, one of the marketing rules is, is does, does the money I spend bring me money back? And the thing about this book is, don't get me wrong, I, I would like to make money from it, but I believe no one else is doing a book like out this, this out there, a book that's really trying to help those who aren't exercising and gives them a plan to be successful. And so I want my marketing spend to bring more money in because then if I can bring more money in, I can spend more on marketing, which means I can have more reach and get more people moving with exercise. So for me to be successful, it, you know, if I'm to fail, it would be I wouldn't spend more money or I would do it all myself. Okay, well, for me to be successful, I have to invest a certain amount at the start, which can help me see, A, if the book will sell, B, if it can sell it away where I can make money, which can reinvest the money to market more, and C, get more reach. And how can I do that? Well, I need a rock star marketing team on my side, and I need the money to do that. That's going to help me be successful. If I want to get more reach, if I'm going to fail by not asking those who can help me spread the word, like Andrew Huberman, like other people I have within the, in the industry, well, what's the better strategy? Well, first of all, I need to find a list of people who, who sit in that category. I need to find a way that's going to approach them that helps them see that A, my message is really important, B, it can help their audience, and C, that I can be really entertaining, stimulating guests on their show that adds value to what they do for their audience. I can maybe even see ways that I can add value to what they do as well. And so this is this is what I would be doing. So I'd be spending a lot of time developing my message to those people. You know, like I, would, I wouldn't just send them an email saying, hey Andrew mate, I'd love to come on your show, check out my book. I would spend 
time really devoting a message saying hey you know I'm the, this is my passion I really believe I've created something that can really help people I really believe I put it in a package that can people believe they can achieve and, and that through this I can help as many people love movement as possible and I would love if you could help me spread the word with this in a way that has a massive impact so you can see that that there is completely different than just going oh here, hey here's a book can you get me on your show it's it's a different message and it's really interesting actually I was listening to a podcast recently of one of my favorite podcasters and I was saying though that actually I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts on another podcast and the other podcast was kind of a small podcast and the person I love said the reason they went on this podcast was that the person had actually written them a handwritten note that was really heartfelt and really meant a lot and the reason the person went my favorite person went on this other podcast was because this person word it in the right way and so if I'm going to be successful in getting on podcasts like Andrew's like some of the bigger podcasts out there I can't just go hey here's my book what's the best chance of me being successful and this is what we're thinking about with inversion thinking is first of all to go if I were to fail what would happen if Charlie Munger was to kill more people what would he do that would actually make more people die if my book were to fail what would I do to make it fail? Or what would I not do to make it fail? If you were to not to, to fail on a weight loss journey, if you were to fail on an exercise journey, what would you do? And then what were you doing is, like I've shared with my example of the book, is what would happen in those moments? And using those as moments to then allow you to put your focus on where you should put your energy and what problems you need to solve. And again, some of those will be problems that you can solve yourself. So like for me to approach an Andrew Huberman about Huberman to me go on his show, I could probably solve that problem because I already have a relationship with him. Um, I can think about how I can word that in a way that's really powerful. Marketing, I could probably think I could probably solve it to a level, but I'm probably going to have to get guidance and support and actually just pass that on to somebody else along the way. So what problems can you solve, what are your strategies, and then when you can't solve the problems, who can help you, or who can guide you in your problem solving process. The next step, is the most important step, is doing the work, is doing the action plan. Now I've got to be honest, at this moment of my book, I'm not doing that work. With this moment of my book, it's, it's getting the product to the market. And the thing about my book is I'm not John Grisham. No one's waiting for my book to come out, other than the people I've told. There'll be some people I've told who are waiting for my book to come out. You know, you guys who listen to my podcast, you know, some of you guys might be waiting for my book to come out. But the world in general doesn't know my doesn't know my book. So my journey of my book is getting the world to know my book. That's, that's going to be my journey. It's not going to be, hey, my book comes out and suddenly it's going to be a bestseller. It's, I'm going to have to create a bestseller. And so at the moment, my action plan is getting the product ready for the market. So that's not my focus right now. But about six weeks from now, when, the, when every step of the, what needs to be done is done, that's when I'll then go, okay, now my action plan has comes into place. That's when I'll be doing the work around getting to influencers, figuring out the right message. That's when I'll build my marketing team. That's when I'm going to, you know, do all the steps that will give the book the best chance of success. But to me, this is the biggest problem with these types of tools is people don't do the work. Like, let's be honest, if I'm going to challenge you right now, if you've listened to my show for a long time, I've given you plenty of tools that will make you successful. How often have you sat down and done the work? 
How often have you gone, you know, and, and I guarantee every time I do the show, and I always say, make sure you do the work. How often have you actually sat down and gone, you know what, black and white rule, I'm going to apply it. Um, you know, or whatever the rule I gave you. How often have you actually applied it? And if you haven't, why not? You know, in my book I talk about, early on in the book, before we get into the lessons, I talk about the difference between a content consumer and a content applier. A content consumer is someone who reads a book and goes, that's a good idea, and never applies it. And then a content applier is somebody who reads a book, puts the time to study, and then applies it to their life. And when we think about inversion thinking, using the failing strategy to teach us where we can learn and grow, and then develop plans and strategies... None of this will work if you don't put the plan in place. And as I think of my second half of this year, my first half of this year was just getting the product to the market and to a level that's high level, using great people to get everything done. And it's coming together, so we're going to be there. The second half of the year is applying a marketing plan where I can get as much reach as possible and change as many people's lives. Now, if I'm going to fail, I won't do the work. Like if we go back to inversion thinking, if you're going to go on a weight loss journey, you would say, I want to lose weight, but I'll do it tomorrow. If you're on a, on exercise journey, you go, I'm going to start exercise next week. And then you don't do the planning, you don't do the work, and nothing ever changes. And so as we think about this method, and the method is simple, if I were to fail, what would happen? Both in what would I do, and all the other environmental things as well. Looking at that situation... And then going, okay, what can I learn from this that can allow me to see what I need to do to be successful? And it's both what problems do I need to solve and who can help guide me in the problems and areas that I can't see. Then develop your strategies and tools and put them in place. But the most important step is develop your action plan and make a commitment to putting your plan in place while regularly checking in and regularly tweaking and applying it. You can see that by doing this, now my book, there's a chance that a year from now, it's a book that hasn't really gone anywhere. And all I'm trying to do is give myself the best chance of success with this book. And when I think about this, I can't guarantee success. But if I can use inversion thinking to help me put all the steps in place, there's a much higher chance of success. I'm increasing my percentage chance of success. And this is so important. Because there's a reason so many books only ever sell 100 copies. It's because people write the book and that's all they do. They put it out there and they hope. I'm going in with a plan where I'm putting it out there and then the real work begins. And by using inversion thinking, it's another way that I can apply to figure out how I can be more successful with this book. So, think about an area of your life where you can practice this. Do your inversion thinking. See the problems you need to solve. Develop the plan to solve those problems. Use mentors and guides to help you if you don't know how to solve them. Then put the plan in place and have regular contact time and how you're applying the plan as you work through it. Because if you can do this, you're massively increasing your chances of success in this area. And if you want to be a higher level version of yourself, that's what you need to do. Hopefully you enjoyed that, hopefully you took a lot away from that. Um, yeah, it's a topic that I think is really interesting, and, I, and it, it, uh, main message is, if you want to fail, don't apply the plan. 
Man, let's be honest. Uh, I, I've got to wrap it up because I've got to go about to teach a class. I'm at the gym today doing the podcast, so I've got to go teach a class. So I just want to say thank you to all the patrons. If you want to become a patron, go to bevanjamesisles.com. Go to podcast, support me. My book's coming out soon. I know I need you to push it so that you are going to be my first marketing strategy. So um, be ready for when that's coming out. As always, keep being you. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you for supporting the show. Oh, keep being you. <laughs> See you, bye.